like first got divorced in I was I was about like 30, 31 years old. I was in the depths of depravity from addiction. I thought you were going to say depression. <laughs> Secretly, all of this was to mask my depression because like, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. looked at me from the outside, you'd be like, no way can that guy be depressed because I was always fucked up. I was in insane shape. Like I was like, I was gym twice a day, going tanning, had a full head of hair, fucking all that stable financially, all of these things. And was for the first time in my life, like dating in the age of social media, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, which I was not used to. And I would find all sorts of weird ways to scam people on Tinder to end up sleeping with me and find random, like, oh, this is a steady thing. This is a pretty girl I can like steadily sleep with and not get her like too involved in my like day to day life. And there was like one girl who lived like closer to Queens, but like total smoke show, really cool. Like I, one of the like cheap things I used to do, like one of my like Tinder hacks was because like I'm pretty good at surfing was like, oh, let's go on like a date to the beach. And like she would show up and I'd like just finish surfing and I'd be like, hey, no big deal. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I just wanted to get some waves before you came here. And it like instantly made me look. Cool. I imagine it's like she comes into your apartment and you're like, you got curls. You're like 105, 106. Oh, oh hey, hey, sorry. I just... yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry, I didn't see you there. It was just pumping iron. Yeah, sorry, that... I didn't see you. I just did 400 curls in a row. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Oh, hey, mm -hmm. hey, hey. Oh, man, I just I just thrashed some major. Your waves okay yeah. what's up quick way to show her like i had abs and like was good at something and it was also a good yeah. way to get a gauge of like how she looked like without as little clothes on as possible um mm -hmm. so i used to like go to the beach with this girl and then like go back to her house she lived closer to queens and like bang her and then like take off at like four in the morning because i'd be like oh i work at five you know what i mean and just like take off in the middle of the night and um one night i was at her house and like in the middle of banging this poor girl who I conned into sleeping with me. And I just heard like, so she, wait, wait, do you have to trick her or is she a whore? Which one are we talking about? No, no, <laughs> I, I tricked her. Like, you know what I mean? I was like yeah, tricking yeah. her into thinking I was like a normal person when I was yeah. like railing drugs and doing steroids. And like everything about me was like as artificial as possible. You know what I mean? And, uh, I hear all this screaming outside and someone honking a horn, but it had this what time like, of the night is it? Like three in the morning, two thirty oh, in the shit. morning. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. horn was like one of those like vanity horns. <laughs> and it had <laughs> Yeah, like dun 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was basically like when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. It was like that song coming from my vanity my vanity horn would be like a Hans Zimmer like inception score mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> it just breaks all the glass around you <laughs> mine's just like a rush song it like instantly dries all the vaginas in my neighborhood up um and uh I was like what the fuck is that and she's like oh it was this guy I was dating right before you or I was sleeping with right before you and I was like why is he going so crazy? And she's like, he was like on steroids and he was like totally unstable and he tried to hit me. Um, oh, he's a, he's a professional wrestler. And I was like, like 
for the Olympics? And she's like, no, like WWF professional wrestler. And I was like, like thinking like, oh my God, this giant human is going to be outside. So Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, bust through the door. All right. You want to know what this guy's name was? Yes. I've been saving this all day. His name was Johnny Armani, the fashion tsunami. Um, <laughs> you had me Johnny Armani enough. I was like, okay, like the fashion tsunami. <laughs> and when she tells it to me, like while there's all this screaming outside, I was like, oh, that is a pretty cool name. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> Because, like, when I was a little kid, like, I was into wrestling and, like, we had, like, fake backyard wrestling leagues. And tsunamis. And tsunamis. And my name is John. <laughs> and um, I had a character who, like, I played in my, like, quote, unquote, wrestling league with my friends that I would, like, use my parents' camcorder to do. <laughs> and uh, his name was the Kimono Dragon, where I would basically wear, like, bathrobes <laughs> out. <laughs> and it was, like, a Rick. <laughs> Would you service Japanese businessmen? No, no, I was like lounging, dude. Like I would, wear, I was into silks and shit. You yeah, know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You sound like you're a geisha is what you sound like. Pretty much. That was like my character. It was like cultural yeah. appropriation. I thought I was being like just, I just sucked. I just sucked 1,000 Japanese businessmen dicks before getting here. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, it was the closest thing in like my mom's wardrobe that looked like something Ric Flair would wear. So basically like that was my character. <laughs> so I had to encounter Johnny Tsunami. I had to encounter Johnny Tsunami, the fashion or Johnny Armani, the fashion tsunami. Oh, Armani, sorry, Johnny yeah. Armani. <laughs> Who was sorry, like, I apologize, Armani. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. And like and like I'm a tall guy, and at this point, like I'm in pretty good shape. But I'm not prepared to open a door and have yeah. like a seven foot tall yeah like, like yoked out of his mind yeah, on yeah, steroids yeah. with like a silk shirt and all the chains. Like he was playing the character, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like he snapped a bat over his knee while he was screaming at me. And she was screaming. <laughs> And I didn't know what to do. And I got into my Chevy Impala and like drove it up on the lawn and just ran him over. Like I literally <laughs> just, yeah. But like, like, how is he, like when you walked, did you say, okay, sorry, Johnny, I apologize. I was like, I have a big Armani he told follower. Me about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have Armani cologne on right now. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I hit him with my car. Like, and it didn't like, I didn't like crush him with my fucking car. I just like, yeah. I like hit him to knock him over Nudged and him. I was like, get out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was. And then he picked up your car. <laughs> and then he picked up my car and snapped <laughs> me like a twig. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, no, he's got like his own Wikipedia page. So like, I'm totally doxing this motherfucker right now. I kind of feel bad about that. <laughs> um, enemy of the podcast, Johnny Armani. Yeah. Enemy of the podcast. Yeah. I cut promos. That's like the rest of the podcast is just me. Ooh, cutting Johnny promos. Armani. You <laughs> have no idea. Armani. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been swiping right on Tinder or I've been on MySpace. What was the time? When was this? It was what Tinder. It was Tinder. Tinder. It was Tinder. Okay. I've been swiping right on Tinder all day, but I got the all night to deal with you. <laughs> First, I take your woman. You think that's the worst? Next week, I'm coming for the belt. Johnny Armani, the fashion tsunami. You're not ready the for the kimono I'm dragon. 
I get she gave me the strap on and fucked me in the ass. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to take the strap and take it for you. I sucked 25 <laughs> geisha's dicks before coming. This is I'm in my kimono. Hold on, hold on. I got to put the Kanabuke makeup on. I'll be right back. Yeah, imagine that. I just. <laughs> she comes out with like a round one. Yeah, like the white face, the white face with a yeah, red, the red lipstick. <laughs> my tag team partner is like Yokozuma. And he's just like. Oh, yeah, you're like, like like that's Chinese, you're Japanese. Oh, whatever. <laughs> all the same, Ching Chong, whatever. You know, yeah, like you know how wrestling yeah. works. Yeah. I'm a racist. I'm a racist wrestler. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, um, yeah. So if you couldn't tell from uh, the title of the episode and the intro story on uh, today's uh, podcast here at Degen Cinema, a podcast for fucked up movie lovers, where two degenerates analyze film through the lens the vices, addictions, and flaws that we share with their dysfunctional characters. We are talking Darren, Os Darren Aronofsky's 2008 The Wrestler. And when you plot wonderful hard, film. you cast hard and burn the candle at both ends. Yeah, this is a wonderful film, Brandon. That, that I saw champion, in theater. And uh, as, a quick, uh, as a quick story on top of yours, it's not even coming close to yours, but... Um, well, this nothing was beats Johnny Armani the fashion economy. So. This is back when except for Chevy I was. <laughs> this is back when I was a geisha. No, this is back when I was working finance uh, for Fidelity Investments. I used to be a mutual fund dealer, and on I guess it was a Thursday. Yeah, it was a Thursday for sure. We finished work and went out for drinks, but it wasn't like debaucherous like all my co-workers were lame and they were like they have like three four drinks in them that's it you know like we're three four drinks for me is like we're just getting revved up and so they would always at about 8 30 they'd be too drunk oh, okay i'm gonna leave but my point is to paint the picture i was dressed shirt and tie slacks because i was working a finance job Oh, you weren't like a Ric Flair character or a Vince McMahon character? No, what I mean is like, because you see me now, I don't wear anything but vintage tees and like mm -hmm. Air Force Ones mm -hmm. and black black jeans and Air Force Ones. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's you, my you, you turned heel in later, in later years. You used yeah. to be a baby face. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and uh, so I was out of the bar with the coworkers and I text my buddy who was a fellow D-Gen. I said, and he was a movie geek, not movie geek, but he was a movie fan. I was like, hey, I'm going to go see The Wrestler. Do you want to come? He says, sure. Yeah, I'm dying to see that. Oh, by the way, I left out. He was a former amateur bodybuilder. Okay. And this, he used to, he does not in the juice anymore, but he's still like a really big guy. Not like a giant guy. He was six foot one, but you're like, well, that guy is super yeah. in shape. Yeah. 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 And he used to do a ton of blow and none of that matters. I said to him, Oh, can you pick up a bottle of booze and we could drink? Cause I want to keep drinking at the theater. It's like, yeah, no problem. So he picks up a bottle. We go, we meet up at the theater and I'm drunk, not wasted, just drunk. But in my head, cause I always dress when I'm not working, like, you know, kind of from Detroit or whatever. Like I always dress like more, Hip hop I I don't know what you want to say. Like a, like a bigger, like a nice T, like a. I'm trying not to I, say urban, so you don't sound racist. 
<laughs> yeah, but I can't sound racist. I know, racist I know, like, I know. Because like, like, the people like, I grew up with, I'm like, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I just dressed in a way I always, and I have a younger looking face, so I always would, and especially and back then. When you were a baby now I'm, Yeah, now I'm <laughs> fucking tired looking and everything, but back then, this is, this movie's 15 years old now. So 15 yeah. years ago, I was looked younger than I was and but I had so I always thought oh people think I'm just the dude but when I was in my work shit with the slacks and the tie and everything people treated you different sat down in the the sat down in the movie with my buddy and I go oh I had got popcorn oh shit I forgot my popcorn so I'll be right back. I go get my popcorn. I rush out and I rush out and I'm like, huh, where is it? And I see the manager and he grabs my popcorn. And he said, and I yell from across the way. I'm like, oh, what are you doing with my popcorn? And I did it in a way I thought I was being funny and playful. Mm-hmm. But he looked at me and I looked like a professional dude who had it together. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. And he got really apologetic and he had fear in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And I started getting close to him and I realized, oh, I thought I was being funny and being playful. Mm-hmm. I was being a fucking asshole. asshole. And I'm yeah. and I said to him, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said I, I was joking. I was playing. I know, I know, I know. He goes, I wouldn't do anything. Cause I was said to him, What are you doing to my popcorn? Like he's dosing it or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. I was just putting it aside, waiting for you to come back. And you Hold know, this guy's making sir. yeah. This guy's making, you know, twelve fifty an hour back then or whatever it is, you know, like not it's like not a great job. And I'm like, oh, instantly, fuck me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I still, even though I was immediately apologetic, I couldn't get through to him that I am not actually an asshole and I'm sorry. But that was me going into this movie. And I remember the story then. And this movie has resonated with me. And it's one of my favorite movies of the two thousands. Probably yeah, top five of two thousand. Uh, you've been like a huge champion of this movie since since I've known you, and this is a movie that I saw in theaters. I'm a, I, I was about to say I'm a big Darren Aronofsky fan. I'm a defender of Darren Aronofsky, and I'm always rooting for Darren Aronofsky. And every time I, you're see, not a giant fan though. No, but anytime I see one of his movies, it is always effective in the way that it's specifically trying to be effective. And then I let it be, and I rarely revisit them um, because most of the time, the way it's trying to elicit a response out of you is visceral, upset, or disgust. And so you applaud the swings. I, I applaud the swings. Like I think I told you, I saw mother opening weekend and it opened really wide in October mm-hmm. at like big multiplexes. So I saw that thing at like a big uh, multiplex. 2017, 2018? What's the year on that? Uh, I think 2017. I mm-hmm. saw that yeah. like on a date with like a 24, 25 year old <laughs> um, opening weekend. And I, and you know, she was like, she watched Twin Peaks. So like, that's what I compared it to. Oh, okay, I was like, okay. yeah. I was like, you know how like we've been watching Twin Peaks and that's kind of weird. This and- is like Twin Peaks, but like if all the subtlety was gone and was gone and it was just people vomiting everywhere yeah. for the entire time. Yeah. It was just people like slipping on banana peels and shit. You know what I mean? Um, but 
I think the audience that went that night was expecting it to just be like a because it was like well, what you haven't mentioned was it it was a Jennifer Lawrence movie in the height of Jennifer Lawrence A list mania she still yeah A list obviously but I mean it was when she was fresh off not fresh but like riding her Oscar wave riding her Oscar wave Jennifer and, Lawrence riding Hunger Games fame like she was like the yes. next Daniel yeah, Radcliffe yeah. or something you know what I mean yeah. she was big and the trailers for it were like. This is a normal scary movie. Like people went thinking it was going to be a Blumhouse movie. And about an hour in, people were throwing things at the screen and cursing and screaming. And I was just cackling in the back row because I was like, this isn't even like art house. This is just like kind of surface level weird for the sake of it. But at least it looks good. And it's a swing that somehow made its way into... 4,000 multiplexes across the country. Javier Bardem and J. Great. J. Lou. And um, Michelle Pfeiffer's really good in it. And like all the performances are really oh, good in she, it. I don't remember what she is in it. She's like, like, Kane, like Adam and Eve, like, show up at the house and they have like kids. And then, like, Kane kills Abel. And like, it's all Bible stuff. Okay. I don't, I don't. It's like, you know. And I just remember like a group of people like eating a baby and that being like a scene where like people are screaming in this theater. And I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. Like I'm having fun. I didn't have fun seeing the whale as a recovering heroin addict. I think Requiem for a Dreams like borderline offensive. Um, it's yeah, <laughs> it's a cheap shot. Um, yeah. But at the time, but you can't look at, these not, re, look at these retards. I can't even get it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you like watch that movie for the first time, you're like, oh no, this is something with the cutting and the music and and everything. Like it is effective. Well, that's but- it's very much a lot of those that you're. Uh, explaining, and you know, I know you're going to get to the fountain, and we're not going to. Okay, let's just keep. It I, I don't even really want to get to the here. fountain. I want to talk more about like when Aronofsky does work. Um, it's in this zone. It's that six to twelve million dollar low budget, yeah, with like a point where he's trying to make these little micro movies that are more psychological pieces about like a single character. AKA Black Swan well, and the Pie, Wrestler. Pi is his first, his first movie. Pi is a great movie. Pi is a great movie. Pi is great. Yeah. yeah. And as like a former math student, like I was like my major in college, that's a, that's a great movie about how you can lose your mind down the intellectual rabbit hole that is whatever it is you're studying. But the, um, the Wrestler and Black Swan, that's where I wish he stayed. And I think... I haven't revisited The Wrestler since, I think I told you before, like around the time Black Swan came out, like 2010, 2011. 2011, yeah. Because I lumped it into the, oh yeah, no, I I saw that once and I get it. It's a sad Aronofsky movie. And then I rewatched it today. And this is my kind of movie. This is like... Oh, this is a junkie who can't get it together, but he's well-intentioned and he keeps messing up and his heart is in the right place, but his brain is in the wrong place. And, oh, and he's in a suburb of New York. Yeah, yeah, it's a Jersey movie. This is a big Jersey movie. Um, To the point, this is such a Jersey movie that like Bruce Springsteen had a song on the soundtrack called The Wrestler. Mm. That's like the closing (laughs) credits theme. And there's like a huge sequence where they're like walking down the Asbury Park Pier. You know what I mean? Um, But it feels 
more like a 70s movie than anything he's ever done. It's shot in 16 millimeter. It's a lot of handheld. And it's this sympathetically flawed character, which is something that we established this show to really talk about because we kind of consider ourselves sympathetically flawed human beings. And I think most people in the general audience um, are flawed human beings. So seeing a flawed yeah, well, human For the being, record, I don't even think that I just feel myself that I am flawed. And so I am sympathetic to other people's to the plight flawed. of other people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 To it's the plight empathy. of other people. Yeah. It's yeah. an empathy that I feel for you because I got these issues, but I don't feel that even objectively if somebody, you know, surveyed me, they'd say, Oh, we got a lot of sympathy for this guy. I'm like, no, not even, no, there's not even I don't even need your sympathy, but I have sympathy for you. Mm-hmm. Look at you, Randy, the Ram. God damn. Yeah. And he's living in the, shithole and you said well he had a big shot and he blew it yeah how many of us have had a big shot not many mm-hmm. and everybody likes to do this they like to make themselves mark Wahlberg. what do i mean by that mark Wahlberg says had i been on the 9-11 flights i would have stopped the terrorists <laughs> right so people they make themselves heroics people say if you gave me 20 million dollars, I'd invest it well, I would do this, I would and I would live my life and I wouldn't fuck hookers and I wouldn't do drugs and I wouldn't become vain. How do you know? You haven't been in the scenario. So if I was in Randy the Ram scenario and I had all this money and I had all this fame and I had all this prestige for even the short term, I would have used it to my advantage. How do you know? You don't know. And I don't know. Just like you don't know until you're faced with death, until you're faced with being, you know, very sickly ill, like, you know, deathly ill, you don't know how you're going to react. So you just have to give the benefit of the doubt to people in those scenarios that, hey, how they reacted, it's a lot tougher than I can understand. Yeah. And to frame it through the world of professional wrestling is like a low key genius thing to do because the wrestling industry is kind of notorious for churning and burning uh, human beings. Chewing and spitting them out. Yeah. It's, it's the ultimate like form of being a carny, you know, like definitely, um, definitely. it's very similar to being a carny. Like they literally put the guys in leotards and you're the geek. Yeah. You're the geek. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're the geek. Like let's admit as much torture on this human being as physically possible for the entertainment of a crowd. And it's a very primal art form. I'll call it a fucking art form or, or form of theatrics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, where, what do you want from pro wrestling? You want to see two gigantic fucking human beings like throwing each other around at, at like the peak of physical prowess. And um, so many of these guys you know, you hear later on the in one life. guy's get about to beat this guy, then you then he flips it and oh and like the, the drama, like oh, what's happening? Oh, what's gonna happen next? And the ref is out of the ring, so they can't the ref can't make the um slap for the one, two, three. <laughs> all, all of that it's, it's melodrama <laughs> at its finest. Yeah, but melodrama um, for sure. Three weeks uh or so before this movie came out, um Chris Benoit killed himself and killed his family. Right. And yeah. that, that was a huge story. And I was, I forgot the name of that. What's the concussion stuff that people get CTE. Oh, CTE. Yeah. Um, 
and it's kind of amazing that this movie doesn't touch on CG. It literally breaks your your brain has been broken. Yeah, your brain has been broken. And we're seeing that a lot in recent years. Chris Benoit was like the, you know, the the really big one that kind of like broke that mm-hmm. into the but you know, that's a good example of a guy. Yeah, that guy with the Pats, I uh, mean the pa- uh New England Patriots, the guy Fuck who the ki- yeah. uh Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, right? Aaron Aaron Yeah, am, Aaron oh, Hernandez. Yeah. yeah, Hernandez, uh Dave Mira, Sorry, the, the, BMX biker so, did the same thing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, recently, yeah, yeah. Which is a bummer. I like I fucking love Dave Mira. I'll argue that Dave Mira pro BMX is as good as Tony Hawk Pro Skater any day of the week. Um but uh yeah, to, to frame this through the lens of a professional wrestler, like that kind of story, the downtrodden guy with the best of intentions who had that 1% chance to make it and the failure. Oh, you, you misspoke. You meant 0.001%, but yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's actually uh, 0.02%. We did the math before <laughs> yeah. we recorded. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, to frame it through professional wrestling because the conditions of that, aren't always necessarily that person's fault. It's just kind of like if the industry takes a swing, which it probably did around that point in time, because that was the point in time where, you know, WWE timing matters. Timing you matters. have a character, you have a presence that speaks to the audience at that time. Yeah. And yeah. yes, we are talking to you musicians. Yes. We are talking to you actors. Yes. We are talking to you restaurateurs. All that mm-hmm. shit is the same. It's the same. It's like, it matters the timing that is there an audience for it at the time. You might be just as skilled, but you might not be at the right time. And he was the right time, right place. And it popped off. Yeah. And one of the, the kind of things that I love about this movie, um, as uh, somebody who's like, you know, worked within the music scene, like right now, you know, I, I draw comic books, you know, we podcast, um, there are those like really niche little markets, um, Mm. where this person can have like a level of respect and infamy and admiration within the tiniest niche community where like, that person, there's a poster of that guy in someone's basement somewhere. But when he goes home at night, he's locked out of the trailer because he can't even afford. And when he shows up, sorry. Yeah. But uh, when he shows up to the event, he is the bell of the ball. He is a king, king, you know, Oh my God, let me get a, everyone wants to shake his hand. Everyone's glad handing him. Everyone's slapping him on the back. Everybody just wants to get a touch. Everyone just wants to be near him. Yeah, man. There's a uh, and then when he gets home, and then when he gets home, the guy's like, "Hey, man, let me just get, you know, he's like, let me just get in my trailer. You'll get in when I get my money." Yeah, and you know how much it was back then. It probably was like you know, two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, to rent a trailer in New Jersey, and you know, fucking two thousand five. Like, yeah, it was probably like two hundred fifty bucks or something. Along yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, they, I. Uh, I used to go to this bar all the time on the lower east side of Manhattan um, that was, like, infamous for, like, big jazz players and stuff. And there's this really famous bassist nowadays by the name of Jaco Pistorius who, you know, reinvented how we think about the bass guitar. He's probably the most influential bass player of all time. But, like, the guy died homeless um, high on crack, trying to swim to the Statue of Liberty 
Um, and then when he was swimming back, like he got mugged and someone ripped his eye out and he got killed. You know what I mean? But like he used to sleep in the corner of that bar. And I went there one night and saw a drummer um, play who I'm not going to like mention his name, but he plays with some like huge acts and t- did like the drum parts on some of the most famous like Jay-Z beats and like uh those Rockefeller beats like um oh my god like uh freeway you know like all those Rockefeller artists in like the early 2000s like he was like in that stable of studio musicians and like I fucking idolize this guy it's really funny that like freeway is the one name you chose which is maybe my favorite of that yeah yeah he's my favorite too I could have said Memphis Memphis Bleak Bleak yeah yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) I could have said Memphis Bleak you know what I mean Uh, he played drums on like Get By you know what I mean like the Talib song you know what I mean Um, yeah oh huge tune by the way huge tune great Kanye beat um, still holds, still holds up, still holds up. Except for the line, uh, "We sell crack to our own uh, at the back of our homes." We go through episodes two, like Attack of the Clone. That line never held up. Not a good line. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? I don't. I I apologize to anybody listening. I'm sorry. We will get to the wrestler. We're gonna bang it through. Uh, we're just we're doing more. We're talking about the mood here, mm-hmm. but. I have to interject. I had I turned on my television the other day and I had. TV, not my Roku on, but my actual like TV on, and it was on TNT because I had been watching NBA the night before, mm-hmm. and it was uh, what's episode three called? Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and it was when General Grievous, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the You're guy the geek, who know the this. one who yeah. smoked too much, the robot that smoked too much. The yeah. robot, the robot, yeah. and he and he had the and he had the four arms and he came out with four <laughs> lightsabers. Literally, as I turned the TV on, I said, Oh, I haven't even seen I haven't seen this in years. Mm-hmm. I said, Oh, let me watch this. And I watched the fight between Obi-Wan and, Obi-Wan. and Grievous. Yeah. It was the editing was atrocious. Yeah. They were zoo it's like Grievous isn't a real person. I don't know what you're doing. It's not like you need to hide what he can and can't do, like mm-hmm. he's Liam Neeson and taken. Like mm-hmm. he is he is not a real person. He's mm-hmm. doing whatever you, you want know, him to programmed do. him to do. Mm-hmm. And you were zooming in on just his face while they're like fighting, and then you're zooming in. I hope it was. It's like I can't even see the lightsaber. It's like, oh my god, I forgot how actually the even the action sucks in this yeah. movie. That moving is, on because you just that said, is but, my like, least yeah. favorite Star Wars, by the way. Controversial take. I think Revenge of the Sith fucking sucks. Um, but I remember seeing this drummer play, and it was like, you know, it was a local gig. This guy played Madison Square Garden the night before for like a huge act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing drums for like Billy Joel or some shit. You know what I mean? But this is what he does. Like he just lives to do like he's just doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's gonna be twenty, if there's gonna be twenty thousand, I'm gonna be doing this. Like this is what mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, but he was like had big gigs like Billy Joel, Steely Dan, like, you know, and then enormous uh, like absolutely obviously absolutely enormous yeah yeah you know best studio gig you can get. And um I went to see him at this little jazz bar and was like, I'm going to go talk to him afterwards. So like, I'm like smoking cigarettes and I woke up, I'm like, Hey man, blah, blah, blah. Like legit huge fan, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Oh, thanks man. You think I could borrow like a couple bucks, like five, six bucks, you know? And I was like, that's a weird question. Sure. (laughs) And like took my wallet out and he's like, Hey, you don't like, get high do you and i was like what do you mean like you want to go smoke some weed and he's like yeah no no not like that like and and this guy basically like 
bummed heroin off of me, like on the side of the street. Oh, is it when you're, you're using that too? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and I remember just thinking like, wow, I like idolize this guy. Like I watch all of his drum videos. Like I try and learn his technique. Like I just paid, you know, 150 bucks to see him because it was his big break, you know, playing with Billy Joel. How long have you been following him before you met him? Dude, I saw Steely Dan. Like years? Yeah, like he was on that like Two Against Nature album. And like I, uh, you know, I'm a huge Steely Dan fan. So like I went to see, I was like, wow, they got this like 20 year old drummer. I was like 15. I was like, and this guy's fucking crazy. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. So like we're talking like you've known this guy for like, you were following him for like 10, 15 years. 10, 15 years. Like, and I would go see his local jazz gigs. And then I finally like worked up the courage to like go speak to him. And he asked me for money and free drugs. And I was like, oh man, this guy is a homeless bum, just like Jocko was. You know what I mean? Like he, and well, just like to bring it back, Ram. Just like Ram is. Yeah, exactly. Like these people exist. Like we like, um, the safety brothers movies a lot. And, uh, there's a character actor in all the safety brothers movies by the name of like buddy, the rest who's fucking like, you see that guy in a movie and you're like, this guy's a fucking movie star. Like this guy's really fucking good. He's the guy in good time who has the, um, he breaks out of the hospital and he tells them the, Mm -hmm. sorry for people who aren't super movie geeks. that don't know who we're talking about. Yeah. He's the guy who breaks out of the hospital who tells them he just got out of jail and he tells them the, uh, day and like he gives them the recap, which is an all time monologue. All timer, all timer. And, um, actually, Honestly, can you remember another monologue where they give um like they they give the visuals for it's happening? I can't remember like that. Outside of like Scorsese movies, like no, like not like that. You know what I mean? I mean, mean sorry, like outside that. of a for a minor character. Sorry, like because like obviously for major characters, maybe, but like I mean for a minor character, like I can't remember that. Somebody just shows up and they just start spouting crazy stuff. Like he was a um Who's the what's the link later? Uh, Waking Life. He was like a character mm. in Waking Life mm-hmm. that showed up. <laughs> yeah, but like that guy Apologies shows up. Apologies if you aren't an insane movie geek. Uh, if you like movies to a certain degree, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, that guy shows up and like tears the fucking roof off of a movie, like next to the biggest actor in the world, that is Rob Pattinson, and then. You go on his Wikipedia and it's like currently incarcerated in Rikers Island for stealing a vitamin water or something like crazy. (laughs) And you're like this poor bastard, you know, you just can't catch a fucking break, you know, he's in your DMS. Yeah. He's like in my DMS. Yeah. Where yeah. I was like, dude, you're the best, you know, and he's got like the hey, less followers Andy, on Instagram. Hey, what's up, How's the couch situation, bro? You didn't get back to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like, holy shit. We did a, we, we actually did on DJ and cinema last week, bro. We just did our 10 best <laughs> buddy duress movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be- 10 best buddy duress monologues you got all of them i mean that motherfucker's um, under duress all the time though that's the problem that's the fucking problem man and uh yeah uh, no okay we're, but we're we're half an hour in i don't we're not gonna we're not gonna get too arty about it but i want to get into there's one main point i want to talk about in this movie this is i think it's so what they do is they have the washed up wrestler juxtapose next to the washed up stripper another very physically demanding occupation which is very which it is and it's very physically demanding and it's either your everything's going great or it's going terrible mm-hmm. it's a sales job but it's sales job even you're feeling it because 
let's say you're selling cars. Wow, I didn't sell any cars this month or this week. I didn't sell any cars this week. Because you're like, well, it's the cars. But when you're a stripper, oh, I didn't sell any dances. It's because you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how you feel. That's not actually what it is, but that's how you feel. It's it's it, really difficult on the soul. It's really similar to wrestling in the sense that it's like your physical appearance, how the crowd reacts to you, how you're performing yeah. on a stage in an artificial You condition. don't need to be the hottest or the best. You just need to be the best for that situation. Yep, exactly. And so Marissa Tomei plays, is the co-lead in this, and it's one of her best performances I like this is well, this is hands down Mickey Rourke's best performance. I, I'm comfortable with saying that. I'm I'm very comfortable with saying that. Uh yeah. even though I love Mickey Rourke. This is not Marissa. I I won't say this is her best. This is amongst her best. And it's crazy how much we forget Academy Award winner Marissa Tomei for my cousin Vinny, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Which is like yeah. not even in my personal opinion, not even in her top. 20 but like uh before the devil knows you're dead yeah it's a philip seymour hoffman ethan hawk movie mm-hmm. and uh, what the fuck was the other one just, oh in the bedroom mm, yeah yeah with uh nick stall and nick stall anyways her marissa tomei in the wrestler is not only captivating and nails the character this is exactly how that person would act mm-hmm. but she is astonishingly beautiful it's crazy how hot she is yeah, what's her age in this i don't even know how, how old she would have been i feel like she was 42 she's 59 now so whatever five years 15 59 years off now that. minus 15 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so she what's was 44 yeah that's crazy. So when she filmed, filmed, she's like, yeah, 43, 44. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. She looked, well, she looked like 30, I'd say I'd give her body 35-year-old hot. And mm-hmm. it's funny in this movie, they have these guys who are like, they have these frat bros type era, not frat, but they're older than that, but that energy guys come in mm-hmm. for a bachelor party. And they're like, she's like, oh, hey, let me get some dances. They're like, yeah, no thanks. We're looking for somebody a little younger. Like, mm-hmm. how old are you? And they start clowning her. And then Ram, mm-hmm. Rourke's Ram comes in and he's looking in the background. He gets upset and he starts pushing the guys and turns into a shoving match. Yeah, they do their best, though, to, like, give her the, um, like, she's got the tattoos. And, you know, when mm-hmm. people have tattoos and they get older, they kind of, like, kind of shrink down and fade. And uh, Oh, they're not good tattoos. They, yeah. They're bad, kind of trashy tattoos. And, like, I'm sure if you zoom in, there's a C-section scar or something. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, that kind of thing, you know? But that's, like, she feels so lived in as this character, like. And this might be the best, like we just did a Showgirls episode. This might be the best depiction of professional dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say this is very close. I mean, and I'm going off the top of my head, but I'd say this is, if it's not the best, it's amongst the top three best depictions of, and this is coming from somebody who has data strippers and Mm -hmm. have people like that are in industry in his life. Yeah, me too. I know it well. And I'm telling you, oh, no, this is how those people act. 
mm-hmm. especially the ones. See, this is where they get it wrong on film. They only know how to portray strippers that are um, drug addicted lunatics. Yeah. It's like, no, this is a normal person who they didn't get dealt the best hand in life, but the one hand they did get dealt was a good body, like they're attractive, and they use that to their advantage, which they should. Which, by the way. They should have, because that was the that was that's what they had, and they used it. But then they stayed a little too long, and they didn't leverage it as where they should have made it. They do a really good job in this movie to like adhering to the rules when you work at a strip club too, mm-hmm. where it's like this is how you're kind of allowed to mingle and as close as you can kind of get to people in real life. And if you've ever like met a stripper and then taking them out afterwards it, there is that always like uncomfortable first for me there was like that uncomfortable like i'm really not supposed to be here this is like i'm gonna get yeah. fired if i get because they're looking you. at you through the prism of your customer yeah your customer but that's like, the same for like any type of job you know mm-hmm. like i mean even the same if a waitress if you like flirt with you're like oh she's flirting with me they're all flirting with you but you're like no she's actually flirting with me and you manage to get her phone number or whatever it is her instagram or Mm -hmm. snapchat whatever it is these days hopefully it's a snapchat because if it is her snapchat that means she's slutty i'm telling you if she gives her snapchat she's slutty if she gives her instagram she's whatever if she gives her phone number who knows um do Gen Zers use Snapchat? I have no idea. I feel like that was like uh Oh no, Snapchat's Snapchat is the biggest social media for young kids. Not TikTok, literally. Like the biggest social That's media. That's not social media. Yeah, it is. As, as much social media as like Instagram is. No, no, no. Oh, I mean I mean ish, ish. No, but I mean like I guess, yeah, yeah. But like Snapchat is the biggest uh messaging social media we'll say yeah Yeah, yeah, messaging messaging social media yeah yeah Yeah. um Um, but the um there's a sequence in this where he says like can i talk to you somewhere quiet she's like absolutely not like no and the whole like she at first says yes and she just moves to the side to the side he's like no like somewhere that's not in the club and like the lengths that a stripper would have to go to like speak to a customer outside is a lot like they have to put on clothes pretend they're not a stripper because like every stripper i've ever known has to like get walked to their car at night like that was like always a thing like like if i left with one of them like some dude would always follow her outside and be like are you sure yeah it's not it's not super common that somebody would follow that's actually really nice good practice uh that's not uncommon Mm -hmm. that they would that they would follow but yeah like they're i'm gonna go walk to the car what happens a lot too is that a lot of times the bouncers have crushes on the strippers like certain individual strippers oh yeah and oh, the yeah, strippers yeah, yeah. are, and the strip because the strippers are tipping out too, right? So they're tipping out, just like a server. You're tipping mm-hmm. out to the bus boys and the dishwashers, whatever. So you're tipping out to the DJ, the bouncers. You're tipping out, and you want to have good energy between them. So you're like, oh, and it could be perceived as well. You're being flirty. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of goes down to with this movie a lot of. Well, pretty much the entire thing feels like really well researched for the oddly mm. specific niches that everything falls into from Yeah, like you said, the term the term lived in it really ha it does 
it does a great job of feeling lived in to the point even that uh how they you could speak on that better but how they filmed it oh yeah yeah, yeah. like that, that granule that granule feeling but like it wasn't too much no it was still shot on like it was shot on 16 millimeter which is like a prestige format so it looks like a real movie but it was shot with handheld like this movie feels more like a John Cassavetes movie than any Darren Aronofsky movie ever has other than Pi. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it feels like an, this movie feels like an independent film. This is a slice of life movie and all of the slices of the pie that it's taking out feel like actual slices of that actual fucking pie. Like the sequence when they help with a lot of non-actors. Well, yeah, that um like that when he's sequence in the in the, in the uh, brrr, what's it called? Like deli. the locker room before the local. Oh, oh, it was a de- the, de- sorry, sorry. I was gonna say, de- but the locker room for sure. The locker room for sure. Yeah, like when they're talking about like, okay, so like well, I'm now we got the crazy Samoans and the whatever, whatevers, and for mm-hmm. the scrap, we're gonna have this and that guy who's saying that. That guy is one thousand percent not an actor. That guy is. That's what that guy is. That guy's an independent circuit. Wrestler. How many times have you met that guy in your life? Not that individual person, but that st- that. Mm-hmm. personality mm-hmm. how many times have you met that guy i mean this is the part of the show where i talk about how much i like professional wrestling as a almost 40 year old fucking man and oh, i'm not talking about wrestling i just mean that guy was so like new york like i mean oh, no, yeah, jersey yeah, yeah. like jersey like yeah, trash yeah, yeah. like dude the 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 wrestling promoter who's like hey i got this good gig for you he's wearing a tracksuit that looks exactly like the tracksuit i'm wearing right now um yeah. is hilarious but those were definitely apparently all of the wrestling sequences in this. They asked a bunch of these local circuits and some of the smaller, you know, obviously not WWF, but like uh, TNA and all those guys, they snuck out and got to do little mini matches with Rourke. So all of those crowds were real. All of the, wrestlers you saw in the locker room those were all wrestlers during real events talking about what they're going to be doing and they allowed aronofsky to get that footage and on top of that the deli where he works in the supermarket that is a real supermarket where rourke's ram yeah where rourke's ram has like his 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 day job um that's a real supermarket in Bay. Well, he said, I'm going to pick up some extra hours. He goes, Oh, cause he used to just be in the back, just like moving shit. Cause he's a big, dumb galoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I got, I got extra hours, but you're going to have to be front of house, which is played by the never better Todd Berry, uh, New York comedian who's known mm-hmm. for being his caustically sardonic. Mm-hmm. And he's great at his being assholey. In the this. guy who recognizes him behind the counter, that guy. No, his manager. Oh, Todd his manager. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little yeah, tiny, yeah. the tiny, the tiny bald guy. Dude, when he catches him jerking off in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they going to knock? He goes, "You going to knock?" He goes, "Yeah, I want you to leave and do it again." And then just as he does it again, he opens the door, opens the door, and <laughs> shoves him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking crazy. And he's like, "Well, you need some extra shifts. So, uh, pantyhose go up in price, or yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Price or whatever." He's so that's what I'm saying. Todd, that's Todd Berry. He's so good. But those customers at the deli counter, as somebody who worked a deli counter when he was like 18 years old, you know, like, can I have a half a pound of coleslaw? Can I have a half a pound of potato salad? And like Rourke 
going from being in the zone one day where he's like, yeah, gotcha. Who's up next? Number 33, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's literally the- like tossing it over. Like he's like uh, Tom Cruise in cocktail. Like he's just yeah, like yeah. tossing it over his shoulder and they're just catching it. And he goes, <laughs> go deep, go deep. And he throws yeah. it into their basket. It's mm-hmm. the greatest interaction you can have. Dude, you have those days Two. where like no, you're working a little that- thinner. No, a little thinner. No, even thinner. No, too thick. Too thin, mm-hmm. too thin. Sorry, thicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the point where like you're literally spitting in it. You're eating out of it. You're like, hold yeah. on, I'll go in the back. I'll dump it out. I'll get your fresh stuff. And you're like, Pugh. yeah, like yeah, that's working at a deli counter, to a T. Um, but the same way Aronofsky was able to. That's get any customer service job. To, like, uh, there's literally any customer service job. Sometimes yeah. it goes so smooth. You're like, wow, I can't believe this is. I should do this forever. Yeah, I'm and cooking. You know, oh, I'm cooking. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go, oh, this is why I never do that. This is why people always quit after three months because it's fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. I have a rule in life where I don't trust people unless they've worked in the service industry. Like I, I'm fine with trust. that. Yeah, I'm fine like, with that. Like, there's something inside of you that, like, forever, I will just know you've never been, like, had to cater to someone else. Where I'm like, fuck you. You know, you what can't I mean? get me to ever be rude. Cause I've worked those and you can't get me to ever be rude to somebody. And if I ever am going to be, cause I'm there being rude to me, I will say you are being rude to me. And if mm-hmm. you continue, I am going to be unpleasant. I wish you would discontinue <laughs> your current train. Otherwise mm-hmm. I'm going to be unpleasant because I do not want to be because that that's the only, and to happen once in my life only literally only once mm-hmm. and I've ever, ever had to, Dude, like in general, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that well, this sucks. I don't like this. I don't like whatever. I just don't tip you as much. I don't make a fucking scene. Yeah, I don't care if you fucking don't tip me because you're a fucking cunt. You know what I mean? Like, go ahead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'll lose no, I'm one. saying for myself. I'm saying for myself, if you're being a dick, I'm just like, my the most I'm gonna do is just say, Well, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna yeah. not tip well. Yeah. I'm gonna still tip. I'm just gonna not gonna tip well. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, fucking, uh, yeah, Aronofsky, same way he was able to get kind of behind the curtain in the wrestling world with all the sequences in the ring. Apparently, he asked some supermarket in Bayonet, New Jersey, to hire Mickey Rourke for like two weeks. And they snuck back there without the supermarket manager knowing because 60 millimeter cameras are relatively small. We talked yeah. about them during leaving Las Vegas. That's how that movie was able to mm-hmm. look shockingly good on similarly shot. Yeah. Like, I mean, as, as far as it's meaning how it uh, looks. Yeah. Very natural looking grainy. And also um, a for like, this is a, well, a little different. I guess Nick Cage never had the height of fame of eighties uh, Mick, Mickey Rourke. But yeah, national. Treasure. It's similar. Like when Nick Cage did leaving Las Vegas, he was basically washed. Mm-hmm. And when Mickey worked, Mickey work wasn't basically washed. He was washed. He hadn't worked in fifteen years. Like that's not true. He did. Oh, he, uh, he did a movie. He did a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cartoon character. Later. We'll talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, later. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but basically, basically, he hadn't been in the in the mainstream in in year, years. Amazing that you talk about. He quit acting to be a boxer. Yeah, I know. And then he got his face so mangled. His face got to, ruined. And his his yeah. best attribute was his face. <laughs> he looked like fucking Marlon Brando meets Al Pacino. <laughs> That'd like, be like Adriana Lima quitting 
fucking fashion modeling to be a uh, BMX biker, M- MMA something. fighter, or some shit. <laughs> nah, yeah. I mean, that's too extreme. But you know, I'm just saying something where mm-hmm. she could get injured. Yeah, it's like fucked up. It's like, what do you? Do? But fun, fun, fun fact. Bringing up Nick Cage, this movie was originally developed by Nicolas Cage. Then it got into Darren Off- Aronofsky's hands, and he's like, "You need to gain a hundred pounds and do steroids." And Nick Cage for Cage. Like, yeah, he said that to Nick Cage, and Nick Cage is like, find someone else. And like, yeah. totally gave Mickey Rourke's blessing. He's Nick like, Nick Cage is like, I got, because this is, this is 2000s Nick Cage, or even present mm-hmm. day Nick Cage. Yeah. It's like, I got four movies next month. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do Sorcerer's Tomb <laughs> 6, or whatever he was up to at that point in his yeah, career. I got to do, I, mean? I got to do Next Next, next, which is yeah, the yeah. sequel, sequel to the yeah. third installment of Next. Sorry, I'm shooting the Golden Man. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Golden Man? It's based off a Philip K. Dick short story. No one saw it except for one person on Long Island. His name is Andy Sansone. Um, <laughs> came out right after. What Scanner is that? Darkly, uh, so what is his? Uh, I'm going to say the wrong. What is this movie he did? Uh, Nick Cage, not the Color Purple. What is his Philip K. Dick shit? What is, what is it? Uh, oh, something purple. Uh, Oh my god, I can't believe I can't remember the name of that. Um the so Oh my god. This is embarrassing. Yeah. The 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 one I always remember is The Golden Man. And everyone's like, why do you want to see The Golden yeah. Man? I was like, it's actually based off a pretty good never, I've never seen I'll be on record. I've never seen The Golden Man. Yeah. I've honestly, it's as somebody who is a staunch Nick Cage defender, I have seen four percent of his movies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just so too many. many. I can't keep yeah. up. I just can't keep up. We have a friend of the podcast who's seen every single one of them, and I'm pretty sure he lost his mind. Our, our is that Trav? It's David Zavala. Shout out David Zavala. Oh, Dave. Great yeah, guy. yeah. Zavala, Great yeah. Guy. Totally has lost his mind. Like, he... no, I mean, look, here's the thing is, because we walk the tightrope, and I'm going to bring it back to the wrestler, you know, we walk the tightrope rope. of being Top lunatics rope who love movies, who consume a ton of movies, but somehow also are functional in society. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now I don't mean functional, meaning you provide a service, meaning you can sit down with me and have a pleasant conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not, a, but we have film friends that they only, their purpose in life yeah. is consuming film. And that's all they offer. I imagine them coming out of caves, seeing the light of day for the first time in like months, being like, I just, oh, they hate and they hate it. Yeah, they hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, do you want, even if they don't drink, right? I'm like, hey, you want to go get a drink or you want to go grab a bite? You want to go grab a bite? They're like, uh, no, it's Uber Eats. I'm like, no, like it's much better in house. No, 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 no. I'm like, I'm paying. I will pay. No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, before wrapping it up and getting to the rest. Like imagine me visiting you in Long Island and you go, uh, the best, you go, this is the best Italian in in the spot. Like you're like Bombay. This is the best Italian. Like you're going to fucking love this shit. I go, Oh, can they Uber eats it while we put on Netflix? (laughs) Can you imagine me saying that to you? Delivery pizza is good in on Long Island. No pasta, not pizza, pasta, pasta? like whatever. Little secret about real Italians. We don't order pasta from restaurants. It's that's that's crazy. Okay, though. you're fucking ruined. You get what I'm getting. I get what you're whatever talking about. Whatever the fuck you want to yeah, say, it could be Mexican. It could be, it could, yeah, exactly. It could be whatever that I'm saying. It could be fucking Indian. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit mm-hmm. what the fuck it is. But you get yeah. my point. Yeah, I went to Korean barbecue you, last night. I could not imagine. Yeah, if that. you said Bombay, this is the best. Like this is the best restaurant. Whatever you know, 
if it's Thai, if it's Korean yeah. barbecue, you want to I don't eat it while we watch the Golden Man and the Adjustment <laughs> Bureau. We'll do a Philip K. Dick B roll. We'll watch the Adjustment Bureau and the Golden Man one after the other, and talk about how much better Scanner Darkly is and how it's kind of underappreciated. But um, <laughs> I, I was just be, before <laughs> wrapping ahead, up and ahead. getting to the rest, yeah. Let's wrap it up. Um, let's get to it. I, I do want to talk about. Uh, one of the things that Aronofsky is most well known for in my eyes is strikingly visceral fucking imagery that like kind of hurts to watch. Um, And uh, this movie doesn't have as much of it as a lot of his movies do, including like black swans got some scenes of people like cutting themselves. This movie has, you know, people injecting steroids into their ass, which like needles get to me. But like nothing. Well, I mean, you glossed over it, and and you glossed over it for me because you're more of a um, wrestling fan. Yeah. The Hell in the Cell match, whatever they call it, it's a hardcore match. Yeah, it's a hardcore match. Hardcore match. Yeah, yeah. 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 The hardcore match here is Jesus. That's difficult, and they did that to Rourke. Yeah, that guy who he's wrestling is a real hardcore guy. He does all that stuff. Has on, like, to be. Has he, to be, right? He 100% has is. He's one of those yeah. guys who's like a megastar in Japan. And, um, gotcha. Yeah. I grew up um, in a little town on the North Shore of Long He's Island. great, by the way. He He's incredible. Like, yeah. when you see a guy like that, who's No, like I mean, his on-film performance in The Wrestler specifically is great yeah but when you see know, a guy like, like that hey, at like just, a wrestling... yeah, don't, don't, don't give me that cross and cross too yeah. much he goes do you get it with a staple gun he's like staple gun yeah like a staple yeah, like gun a, <laughs> a little metal yeah. thing like hurts yeah. coming uh, out does it hurt i mean yeah not too bad going in but you know coming out you, know, you got a mm-hmm. staple gun you <laughs> he's got that drawl <laughs> dude when you see a guy like that um at a professional wrestling event you're like that guy is not to be fucked with because somehow he is going to fight giant people and he looks like one of us and it's like that's because he's an actual crazy person yeah i'm willing to die at any moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) motherfucker not that he's not a sweet like again like ram that's the thing he's a well-intentioned he might be a sweet guy but he's like Mm -hmm. oh but but when i laid down when i draw his line the line it's like it's a mm-hmm. hard line yeah like my end all be all favorite like professional wrestler of all time is like rick flair just because like mm-hmm. cut promos the persona all that like that was my thing yeah yeah but my yeah. favorite like wrestler wrestler is a hometown hero that is mick foley. mick foley dude like oh he, yeah yeah mick foley Mankind, cactus shit. jack yeah, dude yeah, love yeah. like he yeah. is that guy who made it. You know what I mean? Like he was the hardcore guy, and he was a hometown somehow. hero of ours. Somehow, somehow, like the Mick Foley persona took off because he didn't have any appeal um, aesthetically. You know, he's not. He's not a. Uh, he's not handsome looking guy. Yeah, he's not big. He's not tough. He's not muscly. He's a he's big, not handsome. He's not handsome. And even he's his, he's not his even teeth. like overly charismatic. No. He's just fucking You can be like, crazy. oh, he's got some charisma. I'm like, he's got some, but he's not like Rick Flair. Rick Flair is dripping charisma, though. Yeah. 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 He's styling and profiling, obviously. Um, he's the reason I wake up and put on a gold watch and a pinky ring every day because I love Rick Flair so fucking much. But um <laughs> you and I had a meeting this week and I had a pinky ring on and I kept going like this in front of a camera, mm-hmm. like a business meeting. I was like, I yeah. might look like a crazy person. I have to put this down. Um, but Mick Foley. 
again, like I grew up in the same town as him. I was a wrestler in high school, like made it to counties, varsity wrestler. It was my sport uh, because I love wrestling so much. And he is such a sweet, well-intentioned guy. So watching this hardcore match and not only watching the visceral action, the way it's shot where it's them talking about what they're going to do, walking out into the ring and then it cuts to afterwards and they're just dripping in blood and there's medics and yeah. it shows them taking the staple out of the guy's head. Yeah. He's got a $5 bill staple to his head. And then it goes like, <laughs> well, he's self, self-imposed. That's <laughs> what I mean. And then it goes 14 minutes earlier and you see him stapling into his head. And then like you see them pulling glass out of Mickey oh, and slap, back. Just slap off too. Oh, those are real slaps. Those are real slaps. And um, he's like, I hope the table throw wasn't too much. And they show him like carrying him up a ladder with like barbed wire rope and then table slamming him into a table filled with fucking fluorescent light tubes. And I'm like, there's a kind of famous quote now from Tarantino that came on like the extras that I watched today. And it was like Tarantino being like, that scene is very hard for me to watch. It is so visceral and so hardcore. Um, and Rourke's character has a heart attack right after doing it, which like is very melodramatic. Um, but I, again, think so. like, I think that, I think it's pretty like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would cause you to have a fucking heart attack. If you're, a yeah. If you were somebody who's been steroids. like crushing the drugs and cr- the way you're living your life and you've never had a really like, how many times is he, how many, how many good sleeps does he have a year? Yeah. And, and how many of those sleeps were induced by a concussion that was undiagnosed? <laughs> you know all what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. All of it. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. All of yeah. It. Yeah. And that, that um, really drills home the damage that this is doing to this human being and like what he's willing to do for, for $200 a night for 200 bucks. And the end of this movie, you know, he's gone through all of this. Everyone in his personal life has left him. There's the visual representation of that where Marissa Tomei shows up to this match. He shouldn't be fighting in because he just had a heart attack and he's about to die. Um, and you get that hard cut at the end to black where you see him going off the tightrope with the yeah, signature move. transcends dude one of the best ends to- it's so touching it's it's so touching it's clearly like i said he's transcending to the next play he's jumping off the high ropes to go to the high ropes in the sky mm-hmm. yeah whether he dies or hoping. not yeah, whether he dies or not. No, no, that's, like that's, that's just this is mm-hmm. what it is. It's just it's the next. It's just just the next plane. He's 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 on the next plane. Mm-hmm. Like these whatever are you the want to call the next appreciate plane. him. Yeah, yeah. It's it's endearing and traumatic at the same time. It's uh, but it's somehow yeah. It's somehow touching and not and, and not overly melodramatic. It's. Borderline rewarding. Like, had hit, if Marissa Tomei was holding hands with his daughter at the end, that would have been like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Or she's holding the kid, even. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd be like, all right, like, this is too much. Or Todd Berry, the um, deli, the deli uh, clerk grocery store manager, showed farm. up and he's like, yeah. I actually like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, this has been too much. But it's, nobody shows up want. except Marissa Tomei. And the reason she showed up was like, she had been shitty to him. And she realized, oh, I'd been shitty to you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, I realize you're a good guy. I want to give you another shot. And he goes, nah, 
just there's no shots left. Like I've I've I got nothing in the tank. And mm-hmm. he put it all out for everybody, which is a microcosm for these are what those people who not only the low level, sorry to call you low level, but meaning you're just not like high fan bringing um, indie wrestlers, indie filmmakers, like you said, like to bring it all back full circle, like the drummer you spoke about. Yeah. All niche artists, people. niche artists, niche artists. Yeah. yeah. Niche artists, creators, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And they're just putting it out all on the line every day. This is all I got. And this was literally his last. I don't have anything left. Yeah. Nothing left in the tank. The That's literal it. and figurative embodiment of giving your everything. Like, literally your all. Yeah. 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 And making that speech where it's like, I only exist for you. Like this total selflessness, like everything in my life doesn't matter. All that matters is like, you guys are enjoying what I'm doing right mm-hmm. now. This is for you. Watch me die for you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well you've made, I've, we've like self-reflected on each other. Meaning what I tried to become is what you wanted me to become. And then I became what you wanted me to do. And now I keep doing what I, what I'm doing because you wanted me and I'm doing what you want. And like, it's, it's just like mm-hmm. self-reflecting on itself. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just stuck. And then you go, well, why don't you do something else? I'm 55. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how old is he? Like he's not, he's not 42 even. He's not mm-hmm. 38. He's mm-hmm. 55. He's like, this is it. This is all I have. Yeah. It's either this or work at a deli counter. And earlier in the film, Marissa Tomei does that biblical quote to him and like yeah. basically like the martyr complex, like the messianic. Died complex. for, yeah, took this and yeah, took yeah, the pain for, for others. Yeah. 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 And it's no wonder Aronofsky later went on to make movies like Noah and Mother. Okay, and don't these. ruin it. Don't, oh, man, we, know, we were coming they, in so good here. They, You're going to ruin it with this. You, you, you got to say up. it. Like the, <laughs> you got to say it, man. Like it's This is him doing it at its best. Like This is the purest yeah. form of martyrism. This is like if Aronofsky made a Joan of Arc movie, but it featured carnies and tights all slathered up in fucking KY jelly. Like It's but, amazing. It's amazing. Okay. I want it because we are. Yeah, we're running late. Let's get a little running long. Let's, let's get to Rex. Let's get to Rex. Do you yeah. want you want to jump it off or you want? Yeah, I'm going to jump off with like literally the newest recommendation you could possibly imagine because this movie okay. is in theaters right now. And other than the wrestler, I think this is the best depiction of what professional wrestling can do to human beings, and that is the Iron Claw. I really like this movie. I gave it a kind of like mid score when I first saw it, but then I, I've been thinking. Well, Efron's coming. Efron's coming out. It's it's Efron's announcement to everybody. I'm actually a very good actor, and it's Which not just is. him. It's got Jeremy Allen White, who's huge now. Because no, no, of no. I, I know, I know that. But I'm saying, but that is the discourse around it. As people are saying, oh wow, Efron's Efron. making a twenty four movie. Yeah, yeah. Efron, yeah, yeah can act. Yeah, Efron, like, no shit, he can act. Movie. He's been acting his entire life. Um, if you know the story of the Von Erichs, you are going to go into this movie knowing you're in for a bad time, much like if you know what Darren 
does, you're going to fucking Daronofsky. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. No, I just call him Daronofsky. <laughs> I shortened it. It's so it's, funny, yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, like when you, like a quesarito at Taco Bell or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, shout out to quesarito. But, 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 but sorry, I, I should say this. D-Gen, D-Gen Cinema brought to you by Taco Bell's Quesarito. <laughs> yeah, the short-lived ooey-gooey Quesarito. Bring it back, please. Um, they do. They do it from time to time. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I love when Taco Bell does those things from time to time. But um, the Iron Claw shows professional wrestling in its truest form where, mm-hmm. you know, I hate the people who are like, fucking wrestling is fake fuck that you know what i mean and it's like yeah i know it's like predetermined but also like it's it's predetermined who's gonna win it's not fake what you're doing to each other (laughs) yeah what they're doing to each other and also like in any job if everyone around you is saying oh my god what a good job you are going to get promoted and that's Mm -hmm. how you win and like all of that is very real. It's very corporate. It's, it is very structured, but the physical demand of it is so strong. And then on top of it, the mental demand of that is really, really intense as we see in films like the wrestler and iron claw is kind of like the worst example of that kind of thing. Cause if you know anything about the Von Erich brothers, there were four murder suicides in a family of five brothers. Um, all of which were professional wrestlers and only one of them made it out alive. Um, And it does a very good job. It also features a three on three, six man wrestling montage set to a rush song. And it instantly, I like can't be subjective, like reviewing this thing. I'm just going to be like, Oh, 10 out of 10 masterpiece. (laughs) I don't know if you realize this is the episode where you've outed yourself as the biggest motherfucking geek in America. Yeah. Yeah. I also ran Johnny tsunami, the fashion Johnny Armani, the fashion tsunami over with a car in this episode. (laughs) So fuck you, fuck you haters. I'll fucking crush you. The Komodo dragon's coming for you. The Komodo dragon, you with your white face, yeah. powdered white face, yeah. and red yeah. lipstick. Chiller than you are. I don't see you in a kimono. I'm ready to relax after this thing in style. Let me show you what style is, Johnny Armani. <laughs> I, so I have a feeling. Like, uh, I, I got to say, when Iron Claw comes out on no, home video, stop. let me get. No, it's gonna have so going. much rewatchability. So much. I get it. So I much. get it. But let's keep let's keep it moving here. <laughs> My first wreck uh, is in. This is the movie that brought Andy. Andy. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. misspoke. Bring it to me. <laughs> Mickey Rourke back to the mainstream. Sin City's 2004. Sin City's. Uh, Robert Rodriguez and it was at the time they weren't doing anything like this at a main giant it was a giant release movie they, they still don't do it like this man they We're actually a- stopped doing this yeah. yeah and it was a success but Mickey Rourke had his own section of it I forget mm-hmm. which one where it was he played Marv it. probably the most famous uh, character from the Sin City comics 100% yeah yeah you would know the Sin City like I don't know the comic oh. background but he to see Mickey Rourke do this and he was it was almost like oh he was created for yes. that 
Raw. Yes. Um, they just like the wrestler, and this was mm-hmm. this was what led. Not it is actually what led, but basically it was the precursor to mm-hmm. him being. He's a washed up hood who is trying his best to do the best, and then he gets his single focused mind on avenging Jamie King's death. By the mm-hmm. way, Jamie King, never hotter yep. in this. Goldie. Every right? woman in this is never hotter. And every guy, never uglier. That's not true, though. Um, Clive Owen looks good in that movie. Clive Owen is gorgeous in this. Yeah. Clive, Clive Owen, Owen is devastatingly in handsome in this. <laughs> Bruce Willis is like, meh. Everybody else, like Nick Stahl is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Everybody Elijah else Wood is... eats people in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Sin City, you know it. You definitely know it. I'm telling you, it's worth a revisit. And Mickey Rourke's performance is fantastic. What else do you got? I will go with old Mickey Rourke because I loved Mickey Rourke as a kid. I'm not going with the movie I would recommend people watch is The Pope of Grand Oh, Rumblefish, Pope of Greenwich Village, and Barfly. Yeah. Those are those are the best. But Barfly, the one, I, am, I am the Barfly guy, but yeah. yes. But those aren't movie star performances the way At all. Angel Heart is a movie star performance. That is... Oh, definitely, definitely. He Good plays um, like a hard Opposite De Niro. Opposite De Niro in one of the dumbest character names of all time. His name is like Lucy fur and everyone's like oh he's the <laughs> devil <laughs> like it's something like very silly it's like lewis, lewis cypher yeah lewis cypher, lewis cypher. yeah <laughs> and at the end of like, orleans oh. right it, it, yeah it starts off in new york and then it ends up in new orleans and they yeah. have a lot of like borderline racist uh voodoo stuff with um what's her name from the cosby show and uh lisa bonet lisa bonet yeah. her face her she her that's an all-time Hollywood face, by the way. Yeah, yeah. She plays a 17-year-old who gets raped by three men in this movie. But um, oh, but I just watched this movie tonight. And in terms of like a horror movie, I think it holds up. And also in terms of like one of those movie star making performances, there's a little... Tw- so, I mean, fuck it. It's a fucking 50-year-old movie or 40-year-old movie. Um, Mickey Rourke plays a character who by the end of it you find out that he's the person he's hunting down and he has like three personalities so you get to see Mickey Rourke play like three separate people in this like Mm -hmm. horror movie that's paced like Chinatown kind of it's like this detective story and it is not a great movie but it's goofy it's goofy but it's also like it's spooky. It's genuinely like, spooky. flat out is doing, he's sounding like he's trying to be um, Gambit from the X-Men uh, animated yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he's like. Pretty spot on. He's calling people sugar yeah. and shit. Yeah. <laughs> His impression of like what a New Orleans accent is, is so funny. Calling people <laughs> Moncherie and shit. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Aiden, Aiden, Aiden Hart, goat, it's though. definitely. Even though we ended on kind of trashing it, it is worth checking out for sure. Genuinely scary. Like, there's yeah. some spooky shit in that movie that the closest but I'll thing say I can- from a film geek perspective, I have found that the film geek community has reappraised it way higher than it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> they say, agree. oh, you're forgetting this masterpiece. I'm like, okay, okay, easy, 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 easy. Mm-hmm. No, there's a movie mm-hmm. that's worth watching. 
That's yes. it. Or is it called yes. a movie worth watching? <laughs> With a really good Mickey Rourke performance. That's basically like... Right. Mickey, Mickey Rourke brings it, and this is what we always forget, and this is why he was so great in The Wrestler, because Mickey Rourke in the late 80s was one of the best actors in Hollywood. Hard stop, period. Yeah, he was the next Marlon Brando at that point in time. He, he was really like was. Gosling yeah, right. Is yeah, now. that's well yeah, played. He's like that's what Gosling well is now. You know? Like, yeah. My next pick is a movie that no one's ever seen. And this is, I'm deliberately doing this. It is 1973's Payday, starring Rip Torn, that Rip Torn. And he's an alcoholic traveling country musician who gets into a bunch of shit and he doesn't have his shit together at all. The movie ends very horribly. It is a difficult watch at times, and he's a piece of shit. <laughs> but it is a, hey, I'm trying to make things work by doing this profession. And things get dicey at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just relating it to Rourke's you know, wrestling character in this payday. I'm not going to go into great detail about it. If you are a movie geek, 1000% seek it out. If you are not a movie geek, 1000% sit it out, but rip torn payday, 1973. That's rip my torn and uh, Stacy Keach, like shredded back in the day. Both those. Guys. Oh, Stacy. Is this, this is a very Stacy Keach yeah, <laughs> like performance. Yeah. Very much. So yeah. Stacy Keach in, uh, what, about, what is it? Um, with Bronson, uh, what the fuck is the movie, dude? Uh, the mechanic. No, Stacy, no, Stacy Keach in, um, Academy award nominated movie. What am I talking about? I don't know, but, uh, Stacy Keach and Rip Torn were both like, crusty dusty kind of overweight tough guys back in the day yeah. and i i love them both so fucking much and they turned into pretty well established old men hollywood royalty by the end of their lives which i appreciate yes. very much deservedly so deservedly okay we're so. running late so let's 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 like um get these last couple bang them out whiplash man damien chazelle's 2014 Ooh. Ooh. fucking masterpiece one um, of my favorites of 2010 yeah one of my favorites 2010 floored me i saw it christmas eve 2014 it fucking floored me yeah i had a i mean we'll do a whiplash episode eventually but i had an abusive 100%, yeah. jazz professor one time who tried to kill someone in my class so i liked whiplash quite a bit when it came out but also that whole like that professor was the most famous person in his fucking community and then like that one night when he's just like at the bar he's just like some schmuck playing for a bunch of yuppies and it's very reminiscent of the shit in the wrestler on top of the entire idea of being like obsessively driven to be the best at this very specific thing despite letting everything around you it's giving you local accolades but not true accolades so you you know like i mean you go down as like the best drummer in history that's amazing like people will study you for the rest of your life it's just like your mom and dad won't know you you know like you know general you know family and and normies it's like it's like us with this podcast i'm like hey mom we got the spotify management whatever exactly (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) fucking podcasting professional wrestling artwork like you name it you know what i mean like most artists fucking end their lives fucking dead and broke without a fucking pot to piss in you know what i mean so uh yeah my last one and i'll do it really quick uh this is one of my favorite movies of the 2010s james mangold's logan yeah, you like this movie more than I do, and I like. Oh, this I movie love a lot. the. I love Logan. I love, and it's a 
end of his rope washed up dude who is trying his best his heart is in the best his heart is in the right place and it uh ends with his demise yeah plus the um the uh professor x stuff where it's like what's your legacy you've done more harm than good to the people you love you know what i mean like yeah 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 Yeah, like actually you dying benefits society yeah and that's almost like how rourke felt at the end of the wrestler uh that's it that's all i got we're at an hour 20 do you got anything else here no no except for to remember rate review subscribe on whatever podcast provider you are listening to this on remember to give us five stars and a follow on spotify as well as leaving a review on apple podcast if you want to reach out to us directly you can email us at dgencinema at gmail.com and you can follow us on instagram at dgencinema and no matter what you do when you see a stripper in her normal life do not tell her she looks clean that is the worst thing you could possibly (laughs) tell her